Gospel of Mark. So turn to Mark chapter 11, page 54, my Bible. Amen. Mark chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading with the very first verse. Amen. I'm reading from the King James this morning. And uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 1. Praise God. Is everybody there? Have you got it? Amen. Amen. They're going to have it on the screen here. And it reads like this. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and to Beth, to uh, Beth, Bethagy and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth, Jesus sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him uh, and bring him. And if any man say to you, Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord has need of him, and straightway he shall send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him, just as Jesus said to do, and they found just what Jesus said they would find. And certain of them that stood there said to them, What do you loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees. And John's gospel lets us know they were palm branches. That's why we have palm branches today. And um, they, they cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes. In the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that's the title, excuse me, the title of my message this morning. Hosanna in the highest. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister your word today. To your people on this Palm Sunday, we ask for your anointing a special anointing that you, Holy Spirit, will help us to say what you want us to say. Open the hearts of each one here to hear and to receive and to comprehend your word today. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Have you ever had a week that started out great? that everything was just going your way and life was just so awesome. And, and I mean, the, the week just started out, just everything working out wonderful. But by the end of the week, everything just seemed to fall apart and kind of go south. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever had that happen? Well, that's pretty much describes the last week of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the week began, His Passion Week began with triumph and with a glorious entry into Jerusalem, into the city, amid the shouts of Hosanna and praise and exaltation. But that week ended with the cry of crucify him 
as he was condemned to die on the cross for our sins. But the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem, this, this story that we've read that's recorded in all the Gospels, um, this, this particular narrative of the entry of the Lord into Jerusalem has some very important spiritual lessons for you and I today. There's some things we can glean and that we can learn from this triumphant entry. Um, I mean, his entering into the city that day on a donkey. The praise of the people as they cried Hosanna and praised him that day. The cleansing of the temple as Jesus goes in and cleanses the temple. All of these things, these events have powerful messages for each and every one of us. And so on this Palm Sunday, this first Palm Sunday, when Jesus was preparing to make his entry into Jerusalem, the first thing that he did is that morning he sends his disciples into the village to find a donkey. And verse number 2, it says that Jesus told the disciples that as soon as they entered that village, that there, there they would find a colt tied and that they were to go and that they were to loose that colt. And if anybody said anything to them about why are you taking that colt, that they were just to reply and say, the Lord has need of him. And everything would be okay. They were to loose that colt and bring the colt to Jesus. And that's just exactly what they did. They went into the village as he had instructed them to do. They found that colt there tied in the place where he he said that the cult would be Jesus knows what he's doing. Can I get an amen? And so they came and they brought the cult. The people asked them just as Jesus had said, what are you doing loosening the cult? They told them what Jesus said to tell them and they everything was fine. So they bring this cult, this donkey to Jesus and they take their coats and they put on the donkey and they set Jesus on the donkey. There's a message in this donkey. I've, I've preached about the donkey before, you know. The donkey, you know, and I, I won't go into detail on it today, but, but that donkey represents you and me. Yes. Amen. I know some may be offended by the thought that you might be likened to a donkey, but, but you know, here was a donkey that was, that was tied and that needed to be loosed, and it was at a place where two ways meet, and, and that's kind of where we were at, you know. We were tied up. We were bound up. We, we were at a crossroads in our life, but Jesus came and sent somebody to loose us. Amen. And to use us to bring him glory and honor and praise. And so there's a story there. There's a message there in the usage of that donkey. But, but the, the point that I want to bring out in this message this morning is that Jesus, in riding this donkey into the city on that, on the end of Jerusalem that day, was fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy on Palm Sunday. Now, are you with me? Amen. Now my voice is, is, is much better. They prayed for me yesterday in, in, um, in prayer meeting and, and I felt the Lord touch me and I, I got better during the day. But I'm trying to be conservative. Is that okay? You know how hard that is for me to do. If you just knew how hard that is for me to do. Amen. 
But, but just, just help me out here. Help me preach a little bit. Okay? But he was fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy on Palm Sunday because all through Jesus' ministry, listen, everywhere Jesus went in his ministry, he all, how did he ever get every place he went? He walked, didn't he? You, you read throughout the Gospels and you'll find that Jesus was always walking everywhere that he went. There were some occasions, and we've, we've talked about that, there were some occasions where he did get on a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, but it's not recorded anywhere where he ever rode on a donkey any other time. Amen. All through his ministry, he walked. But in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the kings, the king always rode on a donkey. When the king rode on a donkey, it was a sign of a few things. It was a sign of peace. It was a sign of humility. But it was also a sign of the Davidic, of Davidic royalty. And this was the very thing that the prophet Zechariah prophesied about. And if you'll put that up there, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. In the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Listen to it. Lowly and riding on a, don a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Notice, several hundreds of years before Jesus rode this colt into the city of Jerusalem, the prophet Zechariah had prophesied and said, Your king, you need to shout, Jerusalem. You need to exalt God and praise God because your king is coming to you lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was being fulfilled right before these people's eyes. Jesus was coming to them as their king in direct fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. That very day on that Palm Sunday, that very day, Jesus was illustrating that all of the prophecies, how I many is listening to me? He was, he was shown because he'd never rode on a donkey before. Amen. If he had, they could have said, well, this could have been anybody, anything. But the first and only time that he ever, I'm about to shout, somebody better pray for me. The first First and only time he ever gets on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem is fulfillment of the prophecy that was saying to these people, here is your king. If they had just opened their eyes and knew the scripture, they wouldn't have missed it. Amen. These, these religious Pharisees and those high priests and those religious leaders, they knew what that scripture said. They knew that it was being fulfilled, but they closed their eyes to it. And in the same way, there's a lot of scripture being fulfilled today. I'll just digress a minute, but there's a lot of scripture being fulfilled today. And the people are so blinded that they can't see that we're in the last days and that Jesus is getting ready to come back again. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. All the prophecies and the promises what he was saying here and riding into Jerusalem on this donkey, all the types and all the shadows, everything that had been prophesied about him was being, uh, was being fulfilled in him on that day. He comes into Jerusalem 
I'm, I'm got a ringing back up here again in this monitor. He comes into Jerusalem riding on the back. Now notice this. Riding on the back of a new unridden colt. On a colt that had never been, had anybody ride on that colt before. Now I don't know too much about this. Sister Natalie probably could inform me a little bit. But, and and uh, Shailen, Tegan, but I'm not sure about this, but I just kind of got the idea that a colt that has never had a saddle and has never had anybody to get on it, to ride on it, might not be really wanting anybody to get on it. Am I, am I right about that? Don't they have to kind of be trained and broke a little bit? But oh, just a little bit. But here Jesus, oh hallelujah, here Jesus gets on this, this new colt that no man had ever got on and nobody had ever sat on and he gets on this colt and rides it into Jerusalem. Amen. On a new unridden colt. Now this is representing something. This, as I said, this donkey is saying something. It's representing a brand new day that would, that would usher in New Testament grace and that would usher in a new relationship with God. Are you with me? That's what the message here is in. In Jesus riding in on this new colt that he's, he's giving a picture here of what he is about to do. Now, now in Matthew chapter 21, and we're not going to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 21, it actually tells us that there were, there were two donkeys. There was not just the one colt, but there was the mama donkey as well. The mother of this colt was also loosed and was brought also to Jesus. But Jesus rode the colt and the, 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 the mother followed behind the colt. Are you with me? Amen? And so this colt's mother following behind Jesus riding on the colt portrays that he had not come. He'd come to bring in something new. Are you with me? He had come to introduce a new covenant. He had come to bring in, not, not listen, not to destroy that old covenant, not to do, not to totally destroy it, but that, that, that mother, that mother colt, follow, or that mother donkey following that colt was saying that he, Jesus, had come and he had ridden out and fulfilled that Old Testament and he was bringing in a brand new covenant. Something new was getting ready to take place. Amen? Jesus fulfilled everything. And that's, that's what this picture is of this donkey, uh, of this mama donkey following behind this colt. Jesus was saying, I fulfilled the Old Testament. Jesus told them on many occasions. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I came to fulfill it. And can I tell you that Jesus did just exactly that. There was only one person that ever fulfilled that Old Testament law. There was only one person who kept that law T. 
to the letter that obeyed every single commandment and never failed in any area of keeping that law. Men had tried it for several thousands of years, but the law, you know, the law could not be kept by, by man, and that was what it was intended to do. It was intended to show us. It was intended to be a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It was intended to show us that no matter how holy we thought we could be, that righteousness didn't come by keeping those commandments and that there was no way that we could do it within ourselves. And there was only one that was able to fulfill that law and to keep those commandments. And that man was the Lord Jesus Christ. He kept every commandment, fulfilled it to the letter. And I've got some good news for you today that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that the obedience that he kept of all those commandments and the righteousness that he displayed and kept in keeping those commandments, he gives that, imputes that righteousness and that obedience and puts it on your account and imputes it to you. Can I get an amen? I can say today that on my account there, the old account of sin was settled in. He put on my account, paid in full. And he put on my account, hallelujah, obedience to the law. It's all through what he has done. Amen? So he's fulfilled that old covenant. There are those today that say, well, you know, we don't, need, we don't need the Old Testament at all. There are those that say today, we don't even need the Gospels. All we need is the epistles. But every scripture, all scripture, the Bible says, is given by inspiration of God. And all scripture is profitable. Can I get an amen? We don't do away with any of it. Amen. So in that Old Testament, everything, listen, everything in that Old Testament pointed to Jesus. He is on every page of that Old Testament. Everything in that Old Covenant, under that Old Covenant, pointed to Him. Every shadow, every type, every sacrifice, every offering, every feast day, every holy day, everything was all about him and pointing to him and Jesus fulfilled every bit of that. All of that Old Testament types and shadows was fulfilled in him and what he did. That's why we don't keep the ceremonial law. We, that has been done away with. Jesus fulfilled all that. Amen? He kept that and he fulfilled it. Every promise, listen to me church, every promise concerning the Messiah, concerning Jesus was lived out by this man that was riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. He fulfilled, listen to me, he fulfilled every scripture and every prophecy that was written in that Old Testament about him. He fulfilled it to the letter. Anybody that would say that Jesus was an imposter has to be at the height of stupidity. They have never read the Word of God. There are hundreds and hundreds, over 300, I believe, prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus Christ fulfilled to the letter in His three and 33 and a half years on this earth. That 
that, I'll tell you, the odds of that happening are astronomical. Are you with me today? I'm here to tell you today that the man on the donkey riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was fulfilling and did fulfill and has fulfilled every prophecy that was made concerning him. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. I just well go ahead and preach. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It's hard for me to be calm, cool, and collected, all right? Especially on Palm Sunday. Every promise, every, you know, his, his virgin birth was predicted by Isaiah. The place where he was to be born was predicted by, by the prophet Micah. The, 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 the crucifixion was graphically depicted in Psalm 22 by David in that 22nd Psalm. Hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever even invented by the Romans. Amen. His resurrection was prophesied in, in the Psalms. And when Jesus on that road to Emmaus began to open up the scriptures to those two men about him that he was walking with, it said that he opened to them and, uh, and, 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 and told them all the things from the law and from the prophets, from Moses, from the prophets, and from the Psalms that were written about him. And every single prophecy that was written, every single prophet that spoke concerning this Messiah, concerning the King, concerning Jesus, Jesus fulfilled every single one of them to the letter. And can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? That in the same way, there are so many, I mentioned this a while ago, but there are so many other prophecies that are given concerning his second advent. Oh, Jesus isn't done yet. How many people, they missed his first coming because they missed the prophecies. But there's so many prophecies that are given concerning his second advent that he's coming back. There's prophecies that he's coming back to rapture his church. There's prophecies that he's coming back to set up his kingdom. There's prophecies that he's coming back to, to rid this earth of all rebellion and reign and rule as king of glory. And I'm telling you, just as those prophecies about his first advent came to pass, all of the prophecies about his second coming are going to come to pass as well. I'm here to tell you, he keeps his word and he keeps his promises. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. He keeps his promises. Amen. That ought to be an encouragement to you because that tells me, that just tells me, it encourages me and tells me that every promise that God makes, he keeps. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not, the, he's not a son of man that he should repent. But he said, if I've said it, if I've spoken, I'll do it. If I said it, I will bring it to pass. And that's like prophecy. So there's been people that, there have been guys that have prophesied in recent years in the name of the Lord. And they've given out time-sensitive prophecies and said that this was going to occur in this particular year or in this particular time. And, 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 and when it came and passed and what they spoke in the name of the Lord didn't happen and didn't come to pass, then people just kind of fluffed it off and said, well, they just missed it. You better believe they just missed it because they're not speaking by the word of the Lord. Amen? 
I don't care if they're your favorite TV preacher or not. If they speak in the name of the Lord and they say something's going to happen by this particular time and it don't happen, they wasn't speaking by the name of the Lord. They were speaking out of their own spirit and out of their own mind because when the Holy Ghost speaks, are you listening to me? When the Spirit of God speaks, He makes good on what He says. Hallelujah. Don't ever stop believing God. God's word is sure. His word is true. He will make good on his promises to you. And I just want to encourage you this morning because of the fact that we know that he always fulfills his word. Don't give up. If you're standing on, listen, if you're clinging to a promise today, if you're standing on a promise, I don't care how long you've been holding on to it. I don't care, how, it doesn't matter how long you've been believing it. If God has spoken it to you and God has given it to you, you hang on to that promise. You don't let go of that promise. Let God be true and every man be a liar, but you hang on to that promise because God does keep his word, hallelujah. He does keep his word. But Jesus comes riding into the city of Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, and there's a great crowd. He's on the, he's on the donkey, on that young colt. And he's riding in, and there's a great crowd that's there to meet Jesus that Palm Sunday morning. As he rode into Jerusalem, the scriptures say that there was a great crowd. One, one of the gospels says that there was a multitude of people that lined the streets of the city. And what were they doing? They were all shouting the praises of the Lord. What were they saying? They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to or Hosanna in the highest. The Bible says that they would they remove their outer garment or their, their coats. They would take their coats off and they laid their coats down on the on the road in front of the donkey for Jesus for the donkey that was carrying the master to walk on their coats. They took palm branches as well. And they laid them down as well for that donkey to walk on. The removal of their coats and laying them down represented, represented something. It symbolized the sacrifice. Listen to me. It symbol, when they took off those coats and they laid them down there on that street for that donkey to walk across, it symbolized, it symbolized that they were that, that they were making a sacrifice of their identity to the master. It symbolized that they were giving themselves to the master. They were, they were identifying with him as their king. Are you listening to me? They were giving their all to him as their king. Well, I think that's something that we all ought to do on this Palm Sunday morning is to make sure that we have given ourselves completely and totally and wholly to the Lord. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. 
Jesus is your Savior, and He wants to be your Savior. But can I tell you what else He wants to be? He's coming into Jerusalem as their King. And once He, he wants to be your Savior, but once you've accepted Him as your Savior, He wants to be the King of your life. Amen? Some people, they want Him as their Savior. They want a, tick, they want a free, get out of hell free ticket. But I'm telling you, it don't work that way, my friend. He's, want to, he's going to be the Lord and the King of your life and of everything in your life or he's not going to have a part. You can't just worship him and serve him every now and again. You've got to make, you've got to give him your all and make him your king. See, the devil didn't want me to preach this message, but he, he's a liar too. So they gave him their identity. They gave him their selves. But then they had palm branches. Not only did they lay them down in the street, but they were taking those palm branches and they were waving them and shouting praise to him. And they were saying, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we just do that real quick? Hosanna to the King. Hosanna to the Lord Jesus. We worship you, our King, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there's something about the palm branches. And I'm going to take my time here just a little bit, okay? But there's something about the palm branches. What does that represent? Does it mean something? Well, yeah, it does. The palm branches, number one, they, they spoke, and I'm just going to mention a couple of things. So there's a whole message, I've preached it before, on that palm tree. But those palm branches spoke of not just their praise, but it spoke of the depth of their praise. What do you mean, Pastor Rick? Well, with that palm tree, there's something about how that palm tree is so rooted. That, that the root, the taproot, the root of that palm tree goes as deep into the ground as you see the top of that palm tree coming up out of the ground. So when you see a palm tree, however tall that is, that, that tree is, that root is that deep in the ground. So it speaks about depth and this, this, this palm branch and them waving the palm branches expressed the depth of what they were feeling that day in their praise. This wasn't just some little nonchalant something they were doing. They were feeling this. Oh, I wish that we could get that way here at Abundant Life where we really felt our praise not just going through, come on church, not just going through some kind of motions, but where we feel where our praise and our worship comes from deep down inside of us. This expressed the depth of what they were feeling that day. Because let me tell you something. Many of these people that were lying in those streets of Jerusalem that day that were waving those palm branches found themselves and were in the depths of despair, the depths of sin and disease when they had an encounter with Jesus in their life and when Jesus touched them and healed them and found them. There were many of those people that were on the streets of Jerusalem that day to meet him 
and to hail him as the king. As they waved those palm branches, there was many of them that Jesus had picked up even from the depth, even from the gates of death and given their life back to them. Are you with me today? I, I can just imagine as I picture this group that is standing there waving their palm branches and praising the Lord and, and singing and, and shouting hosannas to the Lord. I just believe probably, now I don't, don't, don't hold me to give you chapter and verse for this. I'm just, I'm just, I want you to use your imagination, but you can't prove this ain't so either. But I just, I just kind of believe that very possibly old Bartimaeus was one of them that was standing there on the sideline with a palm branch in his hand and he was praising the Lord because this is the one who had given sight back to his blinded eyes. Maybe that man from there at Jerusalem that had been born blind, whom Jesus had put mud in his eye. You know, here's mud in your eye and he put mud in his eye and anointed him with clay and sent him to wash in the pool of Siloam and he went and he washed and he came back seeing. He was even excommunicated and his parents, he was excommunicated from the church because he accepted Jesus and, and, and testified of what Jesus had done. I believe that that, old, that, that, born, that man born blind was standing there in Jerusalem that day with a palm branch oh, and he was waving it and he was shouting hosannas to his king. There was some depth in that praise because of what the Lord had done for him. I just kindly picture the woman with the issue of blood that suffered for 12 long years and spent all that she had on so many doctors and so many hospitals and everything that she did nothing, nothing did her any good. But oh, one day she got to where Jesus was and when she touched the hem of his garment, praise God immediately, a 12 year disease ended and stopped in a moment of time. I believe that woman was there with a palm branch. There was some depth. There was some depth. There was some depth in that praise because of what he had done for her. I believe that there may have been some lepers there that day that had been cleansed. And, there, I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you this, I can guarantee you that that ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus was there and his 12-year-old, come on somebody, and his 12-year-old daughter both standing there and his wife and their family waving palm branches and singing Hosanna and there was death because Jesus had given their daughter back to them when she had died. Are you listening to me? Woo! So it wasn't just a shallow praise. And I can tell you this, I can tell you this. I'll guarantee you that there was a family that made the trip, the short trip from Bethany 
to Jerusalem and there was a woman by the name of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Is anybody in this Pentecostal church today? And their brother Lazarus that was standing on the roadside, hallelujah, waving palm branches because just a few days earlier, their brother had been dead, but Jesus had showed up because he's always right on time. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you, there was, it was not just a shallow praise. That's what the palm branch is. It goes deep. It's worship that goes deep. It's worship that comes from the heart and from the spirit of man. Amen. It's not just going through the motions, but it's real, true. Jesus said the true worshipers must worship God. How? In spirit and in truth. Woo! That's why. I've lost my Bible. There it is. That's why. Listen, my, my praise, my praise, that's why I can praise Him from the depths down on the inside of me today. Are you with me? I can praise Him from the depths of my soul. And yeah... I plead guilty that I get a little bit radical sometimes. Are you with me? I get a little bit carried away sometimes. I get a little bit loud probably sometimes. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to apologize for that. I've even had folks that have come here and to church and had left and said, you know, there's no reason for anybody to get up there, any preacher, and to act like that guy acts. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Don't you dare criticize the depth of my praise because you don't know. Amen. Till you know where God's brought me from. Till you know what God's picked me up out of. Till you know what God's done for me. Hallelujah. You know the depth of my praise. You just let me alone and you let let me worship my king today because he's done something special for me. Woo, hallelujah. I can still remember where he found me. I can still remember where he brought me from. And I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you ever, don't you ever let anybody criticize your praise. Don't you let them criticize your worship. They don't know, they don't know how deep your praise runs. Amen. I put it on Facebook here while back on the church page. Don't you criticize my breakthrough until you know what I've been through. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus told that, was it Simon, that Pharisee? He was criticizing Jesus because he let that, 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 that unclean woman come in and, and, and weep and, wa- and wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and anoint his feet with oil and all of that. And he said, he was saying in his heart, boy, if he knew what kind of woman she was, if he knew what kind of person she was, he must not really be a prophet or he'd know how nasty and dirty and unclean a lifestyle she lives. 
But Jesus knew what that old Pharisee was thinking. And Jesus said, you know what, buddy? He said, I come in here. You never washed my feet. You never offered to anoint my feet. You've not been a very good host. But this woman here has come in and she's not ceased to, to weep and wash my feet and anoint them. He said, I'm gonna tell you what. He said, if somebody's forgiven little, they love little. But if somebody's been forgiven a lot, they love a lot. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when I look at my life, I know that he's forgiven me of a lot. He's picked me up out of a mess. My praise is gonna run deep. Hallelujah. I can wave that palm branch of praise. Because I know what my breakthrough is. I know what he's done. And as that song says, no one knows like I know what he's done for me. Hallelujah. When I think about it, oh, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. So if you weren't there to see what God brought me out of, if you don't know the circumstances that God rescued me from, then you don't have no right to judge my praise today. And if I want to get loud, I'm going to get loud. And if I want to jump off this platform and run the aisle, I'm going to run the aisle. And if I want to jump up and down or dance in the spirit or take a lap around the church in praise to the Lord, I'm going to do it because I know where he brought me from and what he's done in my life. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, yeah, of course, those Pharisees, you know. The religious leaders. From the, the, the heads of the first church. First church in Jerusalem was there. And they sure didn't like what was going on. Too loud for them. It got on their ultra-sensitive, religious, cod-fishy nerves. They didn't like all that noise and all that praise. Oh, hallelujah. Are you with me? And you know what they said? They were just so super-sensitive. See, they wanted it to be, they wanted this, they didn't want all the shout. They wanted it to be reserved. And they wanted it to be quiet. They wanted it to be more like a mausoleum and more like a cemetery and a graveyard than they did a worship time. Amen. I've been in some churches like that. Are you with me? I've been in some of those like that. Amen. But those Pharisees, they were so upset at all that praise. It got on their very last nerve. And you remember what they did? They said to Jesus, they said to the master, and I think this is recorded in Luke. And they said to Jesus, they said, Master, you rebuke them. Tell them to hush. Make them be still. Rebuke those. Rebuke them and tell them to stop all that praise. This is getting out of hand. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus, you know what he said? Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what, that if all these would stop their 
praise and hold their peace that the stones would immediately begin to cry out and begin to praise me. And I can imagine Bartimaeus and Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood and all of them that were there that day and Lazarus and Mary and Martha and they all said, we ain't gonna be quiet. This is our king. This is our redeemer. This is our Lord. And we will praise him with all that is within us. Hallelujah. Your praise has got to run deep as the palm tree. But that palm tree, also there's something about it. Tremendous strength. If I'd have been up here doing what I'm doing today with a fern branch, it probably wouldn't have any leaves left. Yeah, come on, that's good. But there's something about the strength, the tremendous strength in the palm tree. You always see palm trees where in areas where they're prone to hurricanes and hurricane force winds and storms. And it shows the tremendous strength of that palm because the hurricane force winds can blow against that palm tree until it bends it over. Those hundred plus mile an hour winds will bend that palm tree to the earth. But the storm can bend it but it can't break it and it can't uproot it. And when the storm is over, that palm tree stands right back up in that tall position again. It's been through the storm and it's been bent and leaned down, but the storm passes and that palm tree is waving those branches again like it's saying, praise the Lord, you got me through another one. Come on, somebody, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And there's a lot of you, there's many of us here today in this service this morning that you've been through some severe storms that have tested the strength of your love for Jesus, that have tested your faith. But you know what? You're, you're, you're standing back up. You're still standing today. The storm could bend you, but the storm could not break you. Your praise is still intact and your still waving that palm branch of praise to the Lord saying glory to God I have conquered I have overcome that palm branch speaks of victory that palm branch speaks of overcoming and it speaks of strength hallelujah Woo. amen Mike I gotta read a verse to you Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says this, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. In other words, devil, don't you be so quick to say ha, ha, ha. Amen. Oh, and that's what the devil likes to do. He likes to get in your ear and say, ha, ha, where's God now? What's God doing for you now? But listen to what Micah said. He said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because when I fall, I shall, I shall arise. And when I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Oh, glory to God. The devil may have knocked you down. 
but I can tell you you're not knocked out. There's a whole lot of difference in being knocked down and being knocked out. Has anybody ever watched Rocky? Come on, somebody. You gotta get back up and get back in the fight and get back for another round because I'm telling you what, if you won't quit, God won't quit. He will never give up on you. Amen. There's a multitude of those tribulation saints in Revelation chapter 11 that are standing before the throne of God. And what are they doing? Uh, Revelation chapter 7. And what are they doing? They're standing there with palm branches in their hands before the throne of God. And they're waving those palm branches. And John said, who are those? And he said, those are are they who came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We're not going through the great tribulation, but we've got some tribulation in this world that we do face. But one day we're going to stand before the throne of God and he's going to hand us a palm branch and said, wave that palm branch because you have overcome. You have made it. You've stayed strong and it's your time of victory. Wave the branch and praise the Lord. Woo! Oh, I got it, I got it. I gotta, I gotta close. It's your victory. It's our victory. Our praise runs deep and it shows the strength of our faith and our praise and our worship. And so, as they wave those palm branches, the whole crowd, they cried. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the King of David. They were all making some noise. Y'all been doing pretty good. Making a little noise here this morning. You all know me well enough to know, but I don't like quiet church. I like noisy church. Amen. Heaven's going to be a noisy place. Yes, it is. We just will get used to it now. But this was not a worship service for the sophisticated or the faint of heart. Because when you're in the presence of the king, you've got to praise the king. Brother Rick, why do, you, why do you all have to be the way, you know, be so radical in your praise? We're in the presence of the King. Yes. Jesus is in our midst. Yes, Hallelujah. And so they were praising Him and saying, Hosanna. And that word, Hosanna, we've probably talked about this before. But this Hosanna praise comes from Psalm 118. If you'll put that up there, Psalm 118 Verses 24 through 26. And it begins and says, This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we, you know, I, I quote that song, uh, song that's that verse about every day, every morning. I will say that to the Lord. This is the day, Lord, you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it'd be a good thing for all of you to open your day with that right there. 
But the day he's talking about was this very day right here when the king was riding into the city of Jerusalem. It was the day of his triumphant entry. And he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice or, uh, we, and be glad. And then he says this, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of, our, out of the house of the Lord. So this 118th Psalm is where we get, this is the Hosanna Psalm. This is where they got this praise, the Hosanna. It came from the Psalm and it literally, the, the, the word Hosanna literally means save now. Save now. And so they cried out and they were crying out, Hosanna, son of David, we need you to save us now. Relieve us from the burden of our oppressors. Liberate us from the bondage that we've been dealing with. Liberate us. Save us now. Hallelujah. Their king had come and they were accepting him and crying out to him, Save us now. Hallelujah. They referred to him as the son of David, which is a messianic title. This is the one they were acknowledging. This is the one that has been sent to save us from our sins. But listen to me. Many of them thought that this was just, that Jesus was going to set up the kingdom now. The kingdom age was going to come in. He was going to ascend to the throne there at Jerusalem. He was going to loose them from the oppression of Rome. He was going to bring in the millennial kingdom of the, 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 uh, the kingdom age at that time. And that's what they thought. But listen, listen, they needed more than political rescue. They needed a spiritual rescue. Hallelujah. Do what you do. Do what you've come to do, son of David. Save us now, our Savior. That is what they were saying. But they didn't realize it was more than release from the oppression of Roman tyranny. They needed release from the bondage of their sin. That was more than a political thing. They needed to be saved, spiritually changed. And the only way that could happen was this Messiah must give his life on the cross and die for the sins of the world, for theirs and for ours. Hallelujah. The United States needs more than political rescue. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. We get so caught up in all of this political mumbo jumbo that's going on and, and, and most of it that's on there now is a bunch of nonsense. I've never seen so many stupid people in all of my life. Forgive me, but I, I can't help it. It's stupid. It's more stupid every day. We need more. Thank God. My, see, I, my voice is better now. Amen. 
We need more than a political rescue. And I, I, I think we should take the time to pray about who we vote. And this coming election in, in 2020 will be a crucial election. We better vote the way God tells us to vote. But can I tell you this? Donald Trump or anybody else that takes that Oval Office is not the solution for America. It's not a political healing we need. We've got to have a spiritual healing. We've got to have a spiritual awakening. We've got to welcome the King of glory, the King of glory. Hosanna to the King. He's got to be the Lord of the United States of America. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said, well, that ain't going to happen. Well, keep praying. It'll be revival or rapture. Amen. You want to give me five minutes? Palm Sunday is all about all about Passover because it was at this time that the people are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and they were bringing their lambs their sacrifices and the sacrifice the lamb the lamb had to be inspected by the high priest for four days that lamb that was to be the Passover lamb had to be put up for four days and minutely inspected to make sure there was no blemish no scar, no spot, that it was a perfect lamb. So there was a four-day inspection that took place. And this was just so happened to be on this Palm Sunday was the day that the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into the city and came into the temple. And for the next four days, he was minutely questioned and inspected by the high priests and by the Pharisees and by the religious hierarchy of that day. They tried to catch him in his words. They tried to trick him. They tried to do so many different things to him. You know, you know all of that. But after four days of close inspection and even at his mock trial when they had those to come, they couldn't find anybody that could say anything against him. Those that did, only thing they could find, somebody said, well, I heard him say he's going to tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days. They said, that's it, he's blaspheming. He's blasphemed. They couldn't find anything. Come on, somebody. They couldn't find anything. They inspected him so close. They couldn't catch him in his words. They couldn't find anything against him. They could find no fault. They could find no blemish. Hallelujah. On this day of inspection, on this Palm Sunday, they were welcoming their Savior and their King. But little did they know the price that he was going to pay just a 
few days from this day the price he was going to pay for their salvation. They were standing there crying out, Hosanna, Lord, save now. Lord, save now. Not realizing that he was going to give his own life to release them from their bondage to sin, to release them from their oppression to the, de- to the devil, that he was there to bring salvation. Their help had come. Their salvation had come, but they didn't realize it. And a few days later, the majority of those that were saying Hosanna to the king were standing outside saying, crucify him. Oh, how fickle people can be. But little did they realize their salvation had come. Can I tell you something today, church? Our salvation has come. Hallelujah. Our Savior has come. Jesus, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. And He will save now. Are you listening to me? We can shout, Hosanna. Hosanna, Lord, say, Son of David, save now. And he is here to save right now. We can stand up and we can wave the palm branch of victory today. Amen. This does mean something. We're declaring our victory today. We can cry, Hosanna, save us, Savior. He's come to save us. He's come to deliver us. He's come to set us free. Hosanna in the highest to the Son of David, the Son of Almighty God. Come on, give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Worship team, can you come, please? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you need him to save you now, he's here to save you now. The price has been paid upon that that old rugged cross. It was that old rugged cross that made the difference. Amen? He was coming into Jerusalem. The Bible had said on that last trip when he passed through Jericho and he was coming, heading toward, it said that that his face was set toward Jerusalem. He was set like a flint to get to Jerusalem. He knew that he had to get there. He knew that he had, he knew, he knew what, what, what he had to do was to give his life, to be that sacrifice. Right. There was nothing that could stop him from doing that. Why? Because he loved you and he yes, loved me so much. And we're here today in this service. We can praise him because he is the Savior. Listen to me. If you need him to save you now, he's here to save you now. If you need Him to rescue you and save your life, He's here to rescue you today. If you need Him, if you need Jesus 
to intervene and save your family, to save your home, to save your marriage, whatever you need him to come in and save and help you with today, if you will call on him, he is here to save you now. That's why he came. Hosanna in the highest. That's why he came, to save us now. Nobody has to be lost. Nobody has to spend eternity in, the, in, in, a, in a place called hell. And hell is real. And hell is real fire. And hell is for eternity. And there is no escape. But thank God that the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord of glory has come and died for you and me that nobody has to go to that place called hell. Oh, save now, son of David. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah.